Good morning to Spirit of Prophecy Church, everyone, and all of those that are watching on live stream. So glad to have you this morning. Praise the Lord. So we're going to talk, still talk about the error in the Hebrew roots and also Messianic Jew movement. Yes, there's error in Christianity. There's error in all kinds of places. So uh, we're going to talk about it, continue about it, and maybe you'll get some revelation you didn't have before. I did get an email this week, someone um, emailing me, thanking me for what I talked about, where the woman has to cover her head on, on Saturdays or Shabbat, and then they, or Friday night, whenever they do it, and they have to cover their head, and they have to light a candle, and they have to, you know, bring the light back into the world, and she goes, you know, I'm so happy you said that, because I've had such a problem doing that for years, and I didn't know why, but she says, you explained it, and I really appreciate it, and I'll never do that again, so I thought, you know, that's, that, just even hearing from one just made the difference in my life this week. Um, so I want to continue about it because there's some things that it sounds so awesome in the, the Hebrew, Hebrew roots movement. sounds so appealing to the Christians because we feel like we always want to be closer to God, right? We always want to make things that we're doing that are pleasing to him. And that's a good thing. But sometimes we don't do our due diligence and study about things and find out what they're really saying and why they're saying it and why they do certain things. And so I'm hoping to bring some light on that to you, not only today, but probably for the next four weeks, because there's a lot, a lot there. And the more I get prepared each week, the more I have to share. And I'm writing a book on this now too. So we're gonna have a book about all this soon. One of the things about the Hebraic Roots Movement and also um, our Hebrew Roots Movement and also the Messianic Jew Movement is that they, they don't consider the teachings about that Paul put in the Word. So that really concerned me. 28% uh, of the New Testament was written by Apostle Paul. Now, some even say 13 of the, the books in the New Testament were written, but I have seven here that I know for sure that he wrote. Uh, 1 Thessalonians, Galatians, 1 Corinthians, also 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Philemon, and then Romans. So those are some major important uh, books in the Bible for us Christians. And, you know, rules and documents in there that, that are so important for, the rest, for us to document, I should say, for us to study out and know the Word of God. You know, like Romans and also even in First and Second Corinthians and there's, you know, talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and everything in those. And also Galatians. I mean, there, it's very, very important that these don't just kick, get kicked out just because they don't like what Paul had to say. And that's what they've really done because they don't like what Paul said and it doesn't go along with their teachings, they think that we that study the writings of Paul are uh, in error. So I hope that those of you that are watching and also those of you here will not just discount what Paul has to say because it's very important. And this is one of the scriptures, some of the scriptures that they really have a problem with. Galatians 3, 1 through 4. O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, Doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? 
We know as Christians, as believers, our faith is what gets us through every day. Our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's not about the law, right? It's not about the law. It's about our faith in the Lord. And that's what they have a big problem with. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. We are still the children of Abraham. Not just because if you go back to Hebrew roots, you are children of Abraham because you accepted the Jesus Christ. That's the lineage, okay? Uh, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel of Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with the faithful Abraham. Praise the Lord. I appreciate Paul's teachings. I appreciate things that he, was, he had to go through. Um, you know, he, he had to suffer and he was put in prison. So many things that he got through. And I think that that's a real testimony for us that are believers in Jesus Christ to know that we can get through also. Uh, the Hebrew Roots Movement created division. Some within the Hebrew Roots Movement labeled Christians as pagans. This movement promotes works salvation. You have to do certain things to please God. That's what their, that's their goal, right? They teach that we as Christian believers in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior must keep the Mosaic Law for our salvation, which is the first five books or the Torah. They think that we have to, um, yes, the Ten Commandments we're supposed to follow, right? But they have like, starts off with like, I don't know, 613 laws or something like that. And then they keep adding, you know, as they as years go on, they keep adding. Kind of, and that, I said this last week, and I really this really resonated with me. Is like, you know, Hinduism, they keep adding gods, right? They they just keep adding gods and goddesses to get whatever their their wishes at the time. Uh, at the time when I wrote about, um, you know, Shekinah glory and Kundalini and stuff like that, they were at that time. It says that there was three hundred and thirty million or 330 crore c-r-o-r-e or 330 million gods and goddesses that they worship how do you keep up can't yeah make your own what they do is that so that the goal is so that you end up becoming the god right well i'm pretty far from that i don't know about you pretty far from that However, it seems that as that I read, salvation is by God's grace received through faith alone, believing in Jesus Christ. It's by grace we are saved, right? It's by his grace that we are saved through faith. We have faith. We believe in Jesus. We believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Amen? Uh, that, and that it's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. We can't earn it. We can't do anything for it. We come as we are. The Holy Spirit draws us in, and we accept him, and we get rid of baggage. And you remember that time when you first accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, how clean you felt, how awesome you felt? You know, I long for that day because, you know, we end up, as the week goes on, two weeks, month, I mean, you end up still having that baggage that we got to keep getting rid of. True? It's an ongoing process because we're not perfect. There's only one perfect, Jesus Christ. And we have a long ways to go, but that's our goal. That's who we look to, to, um, to become holy and righteous before him. And it's a, it's a big job, but we, the closer we get to the Lord, we get rid of things of the flesh, and that's what he desires from us. So what is the kingdom of heaven about? Is it about food and drink? 
In Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Right? It's not about what you eat, what you drink, when you do it, or, you know, their, their procedures and things that they do. What is required for salvation? Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Salvation is not about works we do, but what God has already done. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, he says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He died for you. He died for each one of us. Right? He died on the cross. He took all of your sin, all of your sicknesses, all of your disease upon the cross. Amen? So it's who, that's who we are worshiping. That's our God. And there's nothing wrong with saying Jesus, by the way. Jesus. Everybody say, Jesus. Jesus. Amen. I mean, there's power in that name. Power in the name of Jesus. Um, uh, Bill Schneblin, a uh, great minister, you know, uh, he was really, he, for a long time, I don't know if he's still doing it, was into deliverance. But he um, said, you know, when you call on the name of Jesus, that demon bows. There's power in that name. You can say Yeshua, you can say Messiah, you can say other names. He says, but when you say the name of Jesus, there's power in that name. So I don't, I don't apologize for saying the name Jesus. Although the Hebrew Roots Movement, Messianic Jews, get onto us for not saying Yahweh and Messiah and Yeshua Hamashiach and all things like that. So, but it's okay to say Jesus. I love saying the name Jesus. You say the name Jesus to little bitty Paris, and she just lights up. You know, the children, they just light up. They know. Um, uh, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. Sorry, I did not finish that scripture a minute ago. This is a sign. I like this that came off, obviously, from the internet. But will work for salvation. And that's what they really teach. You have to do certain things. So what is the sacred name movement? It's related to the Hebrew Roots Movement. I have no problem if you want to say Yahweh. I have no problem if you want to say Yeshua. I have no problem of any of the names that, that mean Jesus. I have no problem with that at all. But I do have a problem if you get on to me for saying the name Jesus. Then it, it does just cross the line, Right? A uh, 1930 sacred name movement developed from the Church of God or the Seventh-day Adventist, which I think some of you have heard from my teachings. I have some error. There's some error in their teachings. It is a cult. Uh, they believe a, not a prophet of, that's of God and things like that. Today I'm not talking about that, although I do have you know, a DVD on that, the error there. Uh, they use the scriptures Proverbs 30, verse 4, to come up with their teaching, which says, Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in the, his fist, who hath bound the waters in his garments, who has established all the ends of the earth? What in his is what is his name, and what is his son's name? If thou canst tell, they're like we don't know. Well, I know. <laughs> I figured it out. Why can't you? They teach that only Yahweh is to be used in the name for God. They teach that only Yeshua is to be used in the name for Jesus. They teach if there's any other name that is, that is used is blasphemy. 
and teaches that must obey the Old Testament law. And there's subgroups have formed, like the Assemblies of Yahweh, the Assemblies of Yahweh, um, the House of Yahweh, and Yahweh's Restoration Ministry, or just some. Now, they don't understand Savior, Jesus the Messiah, did not come to increase the Old Covenant of Judaism, but to bring us a new covenant. He brought us a new covenant. We don't have to work for salvation. We don't have to uh, burn a calf at the altar. Those things. We don't have to do that kind of thing. Uh, they don't understand Jesus and Messiah's death and resurrection, resurrection fulfilled the requirements of the law of the Old Testament. And they don't understand we're free. We're free. It's awesome. We're not bound by things. We are free in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Just that alone should make you want to follow Jesus and say the name Jesus. Thank you. In Romans 10, 4, it says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. In the scriptures. That's why Hebrew Roots Movement does not want you to follow Paul's writings. Galatians 3, 23 through 25. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up into the faith that which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ. The reasons for the feast, the reasons for these things of the Old Testament, the reasons of the things of the Torah are to bring us knowledge and closer to Jesus. It was supposed to be for the Jews. They rejected him, but we as Gentiles received him. It's a picture of things that, that Jesus did for us, but also for his return, his soon coming. Amen? So it's all about, it's, it's okay to celebrate the feast. I'm all about a party. Love to, you know. I, <laughs> I'm the party planner, right? Ask any of my friends. I'm the party planner. Ask, don't ask Stan. I go, yeah, she is. No. So, but I do. I, I like to, you know, have themes and all kinds of things. And even like for our Passover, when we do our... Um, um, Seventh-fold Miracle Crusades, you know, it's, if you ever come, you'll find it's fully dicked out the first night, and it's a lot of fun. And it does, you know, it, it, it does help us to fellowship one with another. It breaks down barriers. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons I think that we should celebrate the feast, but it's our choice, I think. Um... But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. So once you have the faith in Jesus Christ, then we don't have to be under those laws. All right? Ephesians 2.15. Now, when I say laws, I'm not talking about Ten Commandments. Although there's new commandments, he says, in the New Testament scriptures. And it says, love one for another, things like that. So if we just did that, then it covers, really, the Ten Commandments. So you're still, that's, those are good good rules to follow, right? Ephesians 2.15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself a twenty-one new man, so making peace. He made peace. He brought peace. Too bad there's still uproar in Israel, and here even in our nation, but he came to bring us peace. Now I'm going to show you this video clip. Um, this, this woman, she was very offensive to the body of Christ. I'll just forewarn you. But, um, I, like I said, I don't mind for the names of Jesus, God, that she uses. I just find offensive for her accusing me that I'm worshiping a pagan God if I say the name Jesus. 
Why isn't it started? Did you put it in there? Oh, you did? We missed this one? <laughs> well, that's okay. You don't want to be offended anyway, right? So, um, but now I can't go to the next one, Michelle. So, but what she talks about, um, you know, and I, you know, I, I thought that her, some of the things that she said, okay, yeah, I get it. Okay, yeah, I get it. But the problem is, you know, she was, the fence came when she was trying to say that we were worshiping Zeus. We were worshiping a pagan god. And that's when I had a problem. Is that four? Is this it? We also talked or started talking. I can't change it, so can we get our video up here? Let me go back to the slide before. Yeah. When you try to pull in videos to PowerPoint and all that, it gets a little tricky sometimes. So, bear with me. When Okay, I can't move my... Well, just listen to her, okay? Can you... Can I back up now? Talked or started talking about the difference between Yeshua HaMashiach and Jesus Christ. And you will say, what's the difference? There is absolutely no difference. Well, let me show you the difference. Who do you follow, my friend? Who do you follow, my friend? <laughs> Between Yeshua HaMashiach, show you the difference. Who do you follow, my friend? We'll just listen do to her. Do you follow okay. Jesus Christ, the founder of Christianity, or Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah of Israel? And what is the difference between Yeshua, the Messiah of Israel, and Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ worshiped on Sunday when Yeshua HaMashiach worshiped on Shabbat. I worship him every day. As Christian tradition teaches, Jesus Christ was born on Christmas Day. We know that that's also, as again, Christian tradition teaches that he was resurrected on a Christian holiday called Easter. We don't believe he that was either here. On Good Friday and resurrected on Sunday morning. And then this Jesus Christ sent his spirit on Pentecost Sunday. Who do you follow? Jesus Christ, a blonde man with blue eyes, the one who established the churches, the one who was killed by the Jews, the one who inspired anti-Semitism, Inquisition, pogroms, riots against the Jewish communities, and killing of the Jewish people? Do you follow Jesus Christ, who commanded the books of the Torah to be burned, and commanded to kill the Jews and burn all the rabbis? <laughs> the Christian tradition teaches us that Jesus Christ and his followers ate pork and shrimp and shellfish, and of course, he was the anti-Semite 
as well as his disciples who continued in his I told you she'd be offensive to you, okay? Now let me tell you about the one that I follow. Let me tell you about the one that I serve, and his name is Yeshua. Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua, the prophesied and long-waiting Messiah of Israel and deliverer of Israel. He is called the King of the Jews. Yeshua HaMashiach is called in the scriptures the King of Kings and the Master of Masters. Yeshua the Messiah kept Shabbat, and not Sunday, Rosh Kodesh, the beginning of a new month, and all the Hamoidim of Yahweh, all the feasts of Yahweh. Yeshua HaMashiach ate kosher food and went to the synagogues and to the temple on Shabbat. Yeshua HaMashiach was born on the holiday called Sukkot, as some of you are familiar with the term, the Feast of the Tabernacles. And he was resurrected on the Feast of the First Fruits, which is called Yom Habikurim. Yeshua HaMashiach that I follow and I serve and I love, loves Jewish people and Israel. So do we. Yeshua HaMashiach that I follow fights against the enemies of Israel. Yeshua HaMashiach that I follow saves Jewish people. And his Talmudim, his disciples, and I am one among them, follow in the footsteps of my master. So I'm asking you, who do you follow? Jesus! Okay, so I know I told you she'd be offensive. She has it all wrong, at least for the Spirit of Prophecy Church people, okay? We do know that he was not born on December the 25th. We don't celebrate Easter here. We, we celebrate Passover, his resurrection. We know that. Those kinds of things, I mean, I, we are not ignorant, okay? And I know that there's some denominations out there, even some of the charismatic non-denominationals that still have Easter egg hunts. They still put up Christmas trees, that kind of thing. Okay, well, you know, they haven't come into the reality of what really is the truth here yet. But that doesn't mean that we as Christians, just have, just like I believe that the Hebrew Roots Movement and things like this, they haven't come to the full knowledge of who Jesus Christ is either, obviously. So they're trying to people put, put, put people back into bondage. I can't move this. Praise the Lord. So I told you she'd be offensive, and I saw in the heads like, what, you know? Um, all I can say is nonsense, the name of Jesus in 24 different languages. Can we, is that, in other words, Jesus is English, right? I mean, we have the Hebrew, Yeshua, and you can see all the different ways they would say Jesus, right? So, so are all the ways that all the different places on this earth, across the, across the globe, they don't, they don't say Yeshua, but they say it in their language. Is that a problem? I don't see a problem then. Um, Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. When you say Jesus, the power of that name, you do, you want to bow. You want to worship him. It's a powerful name, Right? And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this is, uh, just you can see, Jesus is the name. He's God. 
Both in the Old and New Testament, the writers had no problem referring to the Hebrew name of God as Elohim or the Greek name Theos or the Greek name of the son of Isaias. Is it wrong to pronounce the name of Jesus in Chinese? I can't say that. Anybody speak Chinese? Um, Spanish, Jesus. Also, uh, what did Dimitri say? Jesus is what Dimitri, the Romanian, says. Uh, so it still means Jesus, okay? The sacred name movement can't completely agree on what the sacred names actually are. <laughs> if there's only one non-blasphemous name, each for God and Jesus, we better be sure to get it right. So they have, they, they which one do they want to say? Because you, you know, you get the, I don't know if you get emails or letters or things like we do, and, and they don't end it in, in, uh, blessed be the name of Jesus or Jesus Christ, your Lord, or anything like that. They've got it, they use different versions of these this name which like i said i don't have a problem i don't fine but don't say i'm i'm worshiping a pagan god if i say the name of jesus hebrews 8 7 through 10 for if that first covenant had been faultless then should no place have been sought for the second for finding fault with them he saith Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. He's coming to make a new covenant. Got that, Hebrew Roots Movement people? A new covenant. Uh, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the hand of land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be unto me a people. Jesus longs for them to be his people. There'll be a day that they will. Right? Eight, uh, Hebrews eight eleven through 13. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I, shall, I will be merciful unto their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Hallelujah. When you ask to cover your sins under the blood of Jesus, that sin's gone. And if you allow the enemy to come up and keep reminding you of the years in the past when you've already watched it under the blood of Jesus, then that, that's your fault for letting it keep coming in to your mind. He wants to continue to remind you of those things that you have already been put under the blood of Jesus, that he remembers no more. But Satan wants you to remember them for a long time. You have to flee from the devil, right? If you flee, he'll finally leave you alone on that one. Uh, in that he saith, a new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Is your salvation dependent on your ability to properly pronounce God's name in Hebrew? No, it's not. Uh, is your relationship with God based on your obedience to follow the laws of the old covenant? That doesn't make your relationship with the Lord. It's, it's not about doing everything according to their laws perfectly to please God. He wants you, like as Pastor Stan says so often, is in that prayer closet time. You and him communicating. Right? One-on-one. -on -one. Fellowshipping with him. Loving him. Telling him how wonderful he is. Uh, that's the relationship. Is your relationship with God based on your obedience to follow the feast? No. 
we're not going to hell if we don't celebrate the feast, which they would like to indicate to you that you would. It's a good thing. I have no problem. But at the same thing, same time, it's not. Would you put on your microphone? Would you put on your microphone? Didn't our Messiah perfectly fulfill the old covenant? That's the question. Turn on stand, please. The purpose of the feasts is to show Jesus to the Jews. And one more point. The name that I used when I laid hands on that guy that came back from the dead was Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Jesus was the name that brought him back to life. Amen. The Hebrew Roots Movement, Messianic Jews, um, they study extra books. We have one book. The Holy Book. We say the King James Bible book. That's where you're going to have all your answers in that one book. It's best to study that one instead of getting off into the, all these others. They even study the Zohar, which we'll talk about that later. But um, that's, that's, that's Kabbalism. That's the mysticism in the Hebraic, Hebrew roots, uh, Messianic Jews, um, Jonathan Kahn, he studies the Zohar, mysticism. So I just busted a bunch of bubbles, praise God. Be careful. He also, you know, this guy I just mentioned, he also, um, you know, celebrates Shekinah. You already heard me talk about that. The Hebrew Roots Movement has their own version of the Bible, and you have to use these versions. They encourage Christians to recognize extra biblical Jewish books to enlighten us. Now, where did that word come from? Enlighten us. Very New Age pagan mysticism, mystical type of word. But it's to enlighten us to the hidden meaning. However, it seems only the Jewish converts, converts and or rabbis can read and interpret the Hebrew text. So... Don't worry, you just need to listen to them. You don't even need to study or read it for yourself. I mean, unfortunately, that's even like what Catholics teach. They have their own version, and you don't have to study it, for the priest will tell you what it says. Matter of fact, go to the priest. He will forgive you of your sins. Me and Jesus, we talk. He forgives me. Traditionally, a Jewish man must be married at least the age of 40 to read the hidden mystery. So if you're not at least 40 and you're not married, I don't know why. That <laughs> seems like they wouldn't want you to be. <laughs> but at least the age of 40 to read the hidden mysteries. Whenever it says hidden, I do think of the Illuminati, right? I think of Masons, right? These, those type of thing. Um, they, they're hidden mysteries and it's, it's the Kabbalah. That's what they're studying, mysticism. And they let the women study it too. So they say bye-bye to the King James Version. And then I just try to be funny every time. They bye-bye with Dollar Bill's the Hebrew Bible, right? Some Hebrew roots followers say that the Greek text of the New Testament is not authentic scriptures. 
Most of the extra biblical Hebrew scriptures that the HRM, or the Hebrew Roots Movement, wants us to accept is of ancient writings. And many of the Hebrew Roots Movement state that Paul's writings are not authentic and were rewritten by Rome. It is really mysticism or Paulism, which is not the inspired word of God. I think you're getting the point, right? In the Hebrew Roots Movement, they believe that a person cannot understand the Bible unless the person goes back to becoming a Jew. <laughs> At least that I'll do that right tomorrow. I mean, you know, what happened to common sense? What happened to knowing that God has given us wisdom and intelligence? Why do we have to try to believe that lie? And if someone's trying to say, you've got to become a Jew, you've got to go back to becoming through the Jewish traditions for you to understand the Bible or to get closer to God, you know, they're telling you a lie. Encouraged to read the biblical sources such as the Midrash, the Zohar, and the Talmud. They say when doing this, a person will... And by the way, the Talmud, if you remember, I've, I've talked about this before. Much of it, many, of, many parts of it, were written by pagan rabbis. So don't think you're just getting closer to Jesus or to closer to Yahweh if you're just studying the Talmud. Because you won't be. They say when doing this, a person will gain a higher enlightenment of the scriptures. See, they want to put you down, put you underneath them, their feet, saying you're not important. You're, you know, you're worshiping a pagan God if you're worshiping Jesus and studying the word of God. You see why I get riled? Such, you know, falseness out there. It's unbelievable what they try to do thinking you are underneath them. You're not as close to, to God or to heaven as they are. And all the while I'm going, are you kidding? You're on your way to hell. You're, you're believing into mysticism. You're following not the rules and laws of the Bible. You're following the rules of mysticism. You know, talk about pagan. And, and Lou just said, uh, what did you say? Doctrines? Doctrines and demons. Say souls of all Jews were in existence and present at the time of the giving of the Torah. I think that speaks for itself. Uh, if a person is a born-again Christian, then doesn't it make sense that we should condemn the ungodly occult Zohar and Kabbalah? Yeah. We should be condemning that. We should not quote it except in condemnations of the passages. Amen? The Kabbalist writers claim that the Messiah will come as a result of the Kabbalah. The Kabbalists teach that the Messiah is a holy serpent called Nahash. Yeah, they're believing in a serpent, all right. Um, they claim it's a uh, gematria, which is a numerical value, is equal to that of the Messiah. Snake worship has spread from Babel into every part of the world and is satanic. So what they're saying, if you say if you believe in Jesus, then it, we're we're the ones that are satanic, right? That's what they're saying. They're saying he's you know becoming he's come because of Kabbalah. What now? Kundalini is a snake, yes, serpent. I believe you know really becomes Satan himself. Uh, Galatians 1, 6, 7 through 9. Did I already read this one for? No. I marvel that you so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel. But it's not another, but there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Yeah. 
They're trying to pervert it. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And as we said before, so I so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. This is a reason they don't want Paul's writings to be taught. Right here. They want you to believe their writings. Some groups of the HRM, or the Hebrew Roots Movement, hate Paul but proclaim to follow the Bible. And again, some say 13, some say 7. Uh, I don't know for sure. This came from the lasttrumpet.org ministry's website. This ministry here is to bless the Torah observant people of the Lord. We are not here to validate anything of Christianity. All Christianity is a cult of the false apostle Paul, which usually meet on Sundays, not for the prescribed weekly Sabbath, are not Torah observant. Lord Yeshua stated that the word Torah and himself are one and the same. Do Christians read yeah, right book chapter first? Do Christians reject being Torah observant of the Lord Yeshua? Not keeping all the Sabbaths of the Lord of Leviticus twenty-three? Yes. Ten Matthew ten thirty-three. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father is in heaven. In other words, they say if you're not keeping the Sabbath the right way, right, then you are not a true believer in Jesus Christ. All all Christianity is a Torahless religion, not of God. It is solely of the false apostle Paul. So they're calling you false. They say you're following a false god if you study the teachings of Paul. Anybody else have a problem with that? Raise your hand real high. Have a problem with that one. You know, he says to keep the Sabbath holy. That doesn't mean we just keep Jesus holy on one day. Right? The same from the same place. Do you ever notice how all Christian sects never recite the Shema each week? Okay, that's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Okay, sorry. Sorry? What now? Yeah, the song they sing, yeah. Okay, I don't. Why? All Christian sects in his leadership are followers of the bogus teachings of the false apostle Paul. And to read out Deuteronomy 18.20, but the, but the prophet, which is a spokesperson of mouthpiece, who presumed to speak a word of my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speak in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. So what they're trying to say is that we're not speaking the truth. We're, we are presuming what we're saying. Ever noticed in the news how Christians are being targeted and killed? Matthew 22, 36 and 37 says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Yeshua said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So what they're trying to say, the reason you're targeted is you're not following the right Jesus. Matthew 22, 38. This is the first and great commandment. To have God with all your heart, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind only, means to always be Torah observant unto the Lord. I don't know where that came from. Well, I know where it came from. I know it. But they're saying if you don't, if you're not, because they say Jesus is the Torah. That's what they said. Well, Yeshua. First uh, John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and all his commandments are not burdensome. Do you love your God? Are you keeping all his laws and commandments, including the weekly Saturday Sabbath? Why not? Are you calling on 
why are, are you catching up yet on the false apostle Paul, the one the Lord warned about in Revelation 2.2? Did he? All Christian sects that are not Torah observant are all doomed. Repent now and become a Torah observant of the Lord Yeshua. This is such blasphemy to me, this type of teaching. So if you're really, if you are really a Christian, a follower and believer in Jesus Christ, and you decided to step out of the realm of following Jesus Christ as your Lord and even the teachings of Paul and started to say you're now a Jew, which is wrong, by the way, and then you're saying um, you're going to follow the Torah and the Talmud. I don't mind you studying. I just also want you to understand that there's a lot of error in their teachings, right? It's also mysticism that you're getting into. So if you chose to walk out of that, then that's your problem. But I choose to, the Lord Jesus Christ, and in his steps I will walk. Anybody heard of Mark Biltz? Mark Biltz Ministry? Called El Shaddai Ministries, taking the Torah to the nations? He really has some error. Um, this excerpt regarding Mark Biltz came from Now the, now the End Begins website. This is what he says. My goal is not to convert Jews to Christianity, but to bring non-Jews to a better understanding of Yahweh through a better understanding of Torah. I think most Christians do not know Yahweh as he really is, but know him as they have tried to create him in their image, rather than understanding that we were created in his image. Many Christians believe that they have a relationship with Yahweh, but they don't. Yes, I do. The time is coming when the Jewish people will recognize that the role of Yeshua played, and they will then fulfill their mission in taking Torah to the nations. They will straighten out the Christian theology and what Yeshua is really saying. There will be Christians who will be saying, what, what can these Jews know about Yeshua, when in actuality you, Jews, will have the correct understanding. So if you don't become a Jew, then you don't have the correct understanding. That's what they're saying. You have a problem? I have a problem. I have a problem with his teaching. And unfortunately, I've had Christians come up to me and say, have you followed Mark Biltz? <laughs> Get thee behind me, Satan. He's not a Christian, and in fact, he's very much against Christians and Christianity. I believe Christianity has hijacked Yeshua and has been presented in Egyptian, which is why Yeshua is not recognized. This source said Mark Biltz. We hijacked Yeshua. Some of this stuff, it doesn't even make sense. Uh, what Mark Bell teaches is the very definition of a cult. He's trying to lead people away from saving faith in Jesus and to lead them to the Torah. Only the Torah. Right? He quotes from the New Testament to confuse people, but he picks and chooses his way through, very carefully avoiding passages that show salvation is through a person, Jesus, and not through keeping the law or following the Torah. Jesus came in the flesh. For you, for me, he was God on this earth. He died on the cross. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. What did he take on the cross? What did he do? He took everything, all our sins, our sicknesses, disease, everything. He took it for us so that we can believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and be free. And we'll have eternal life. 
One more here. Uh, this is also comes from the Ian Begins website, which Mark built. The Torah is awesome and it has its place, but the Torah makes up less than 10% of the books of the Bible. The Bible starts with the Torah, but it ends with the person Jesus returning in glory. The goal of the Bible is to lead you to Jesus, not you to the Torah. Amen? It leads us to Jesus. The Torah simply lets you know your lost condition. The solution to that problem is Jesus. I need to take that off. It didn't come from them. It came from me. The Bible does start with Torah. We have that, the, the five books, right? But it, we have Jesus Christ. We have Jesus Christ as our Savior. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In Acts 4.12, King James Version. Who's your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. There could be someone that's watching this right now that says, man, I have gotten caught up into this, and I need to repent right now. And if that's you, just get on your face right now and say, Lord, forgive me. In the mighty name of Jesus, and yes, you can say that name, Jesus. That's a powerful name. And he will forgive you of your sins. He will forgive you for studying the mysticism. He will forgive you. Walk away from it. Yes, you may lose friends. Yes, you may lose family members. But you are precious to the Lord Jesus Christ. And today is your day of salvation. Today is your day. I don't mind if you say Yeshua from time to time. But say the name of Jesus. There's power in that name. And call upon him right now and be saved. Don't try to become a Jew. You're not a Jew. You're a Gentile who has now accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I walked away from you, but I'm back. Say, I'm back in the name of Jesus. I'm back to serving you, Lord. I'm back to serving you. I'm back to loving you. I don't have to have all these other books that I'm studying. Have your eyes open. The blinders off. Don't read uh, the Zohar. That's mysticism. That's a lie. Don't follow these false teachers out there like a Jonathan Kahn. Don't do it. He's lying to you. I'll show you some uh, video clips next week. Stay with me for the next several weeks. Come back this same time. You'll see the truth right on a video clip from him. Reading out of the Zohar. In the name of Jesus, fall on your face right now. Be saved. Call upon his name. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'll follow you. I'll set aside all these things that are not of you in Jesus' name. Email us. Email us at contact at spiritofprophecychurch.com. Let us know that you have walked away from the Hebrew Roots Movement. You've walked away from being a Messianic Jew, and you're going to serve Jesus. You're going to study the Word of God, the King James Bible. Follow our teachings. Follow, get my DVDs on the air in the church. The truth will set you free. In the name of Jesus. The mighty name of Jesus. Everyone in here say, Jesus! 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 Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. See you next time. Stay with us. We'll be back shortly. Okay, welcome back to Spirit of Prophecy Church. We are going to be live streaming our taking communion today. 
we have our official um, cups. <laughs> you could drop them on the floor and it doesn't spill until you open them up. So anyway, if you're live streaming, go to your refrigerator and grab your grape juice and pull out your matzah bread, your unleavened bread. If you do not have that, then do not partake it. But here's what we do at this church. When I was a kid, we took communion every Sunday. And it got to be so rote, just pass the potatoes, please. I didn't want it to be that way. So when we started this church, Leslie and I thought we would do it just once a month. But when we do it, it would be something special. We want to make it special. In the world of Christianity, there's not a lot of rituals. There's not, unless you listen to Leslie and do the Hebrew root stuff, then there's a lot of rituals. But this is primarily the only big ritual that is in Christianity. He says, this do in remembrance of me. So in this moment, there's a couple of things that we do. This is remembering, matter of fact, that's the point of my sermon this morning, remembering the most important event in all of human history, in all of time, time past, time future. This is the thing that opened the door for those people that want to, to live forever. This is the door to eternity through the blood of Jesus Christ. And there is one man between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I am the door, the way, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we're representing here what he did on that cross. And in the upper room that night. Now, let's go to that night. So here the disciples had walked with him for a long time. If you listen to Michael Rood, it was 70 weeks. Some people say three and a half years. But they'd walked with him. They'd seen the miracles. But they didn't understand. Even though he told them he was going to die and rise again in three days. They didn't understand that their friend that they had just recently come to most of them, not all of them yet. Most of them had come to the conclusion that, yes, this must be God in the flesh. This must be the Messiah. This must be that prophet that Moses was told with, that God would send. This must be him, but not everyone. Remember, Thomas still didn't believe until he felt the nail scars, okay? They're in the upper room. They're about to take of the Passover. They're about to eat the lamb. They're about to, to drink the wine, what they had in those days. Yet they didn't know in a few hours he was about to be nailed to the cross. They didn't understand that. But today, but today we understand. We understand that fabulous work of him dying on the cross. And that's what we're about to do here. We're about to take that to remember that. So, would you hand me one of those? There you go. But first of all, let's pray over it, and then we'll hand it around. Lord, Lord, this is grape juice and unleavened bread, which is nothing. But what it represents is everything. So we ask that this grape juice would represent your blood. We ask that this unleavened bread would represent your body on the cross. Your body on the cross 
heals us physically. The blood heals us spiritually and washes our sins away so we can live eternally with you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And they hand it around. Now, as they're handing it around, let me give you some instructions. This is not for children. This is not a snack. This is not something that we take just because everybody else has taken it. If we have not accepted Jesus in our heart to be our Lord and Savior, this we don't do. If we do, the Bible says that some sleep, and I'm not talking about a temporary little nap. I'm talking about you abuse this one and you lose your life over it. Probably there have been some people that have abused this and lost their life over it. What we're doing here is real serious. So the Bible tells us that we are to examine ourselves. Now, that means that we need to look into our heart, not as we look with our filthy mind. The Bible says the heart of man is continually evil. Who can know it? But we're to look... Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But we are to look into our heart as Jesus, the Holy One of Israel, the Lamb of God, the bright morning star, the perfect Messiah would look into it. So we look into our heart. We say, Lord, what have I done to displease you? And the Bible says that if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. We lie. We've all, all we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us had gone his own way. So let's just close our eyes, bow our head for a moment. Lord, show us in our heart. Show us those things that we need to confess to you. Show us what we need to ask forgiveness for before we take your body and blood in Jesus' name. Amen. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, You confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Jesus name. All right, so we carefully open up our modern 2021 packaging. And we take out the unleavened bread. Now, it being round means nothing. If it's triangle or square or whatever, that means nothing. What it does mean is this represents his body. And we're going to do it in the correct order. So it's supposed to be the, the, the blood first, right? I, I keep getting it backwards. Maybe that's the reason they packaged it. <laughs> I keep getting them backwards. So Lord, this unleavened bread represents your body, and we take it in remembrance of you. I ask you to heal us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm the all eight. So then, Jesus took out the wine and a cup, and he poured it. And he said, this is the New Testament in my blood. 
Those poor disciples didn't understand, but we do. And Lord, we lift up your blood this morning and we say thank you. Thank you for the finished work on the cross so that we can live forever. We receive your blood to wash our sins away. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'll turn it over to the praise and worship team. Actually, turn it over to me for just a minute. Oh, after you brought me a flower, I forgot. <laughs> for, uh, yeah. <laughs> no. No, we're, we're going to. I forgot to do the announcements, so we kind of got ahead a little bit. Um, we also want to pray for our service. Amen. So uh, here at this church, we, if you're sitting in here, you can get a flyer. It's out there at the front desk if you don't have one. Uh, Father's Day is uh, Sunday, June the 20th. Wanted to have you remember that. Also, our Friday night Bible studies have been canceled for the summer. We do this every summer. Uh, it'll resume. After, I think we're going to be doing a prayer meeting the first part of September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Well, Stan will be announcing that here soon. Uh, for like we did the solemn assembly last year. Uh, so we'll be doing that and then probably resume the Bible study after that. Again, Sunday service begins at 930. And so please, you know, be, come here at 930. Also, those of you that are watching on live stream, it begins at 930. Uh, right now, for a little bit, I'm going to be talking, talking about the era of the he Hebrew Roots Movement and Messianic Movement, Messianic Jew Movement. So uh, there's some things that you'll want to want to know and have understanding about. So I'm doing that starting at 9:30. Uh, next week is our Watchman School of the Watchman. Here, I'll let you take that flyer there. School of the Watchman. If you haven't signed up online, you'll want to do that. Go to prophecyclub.com, and this is the first level of understanding Bible prophecy and also become a teacher of Bible prophecy. And if that's your interest, then you want to come to this. You want to, to be a partaker of that. Uh, you can sign up online and it has all the details and all the information. Go to prophecyclub.com and find that. It's called School of the Watchman. It'll be level one. That starts Friday, this coming Friday, June 11th at 2 p.m. And it's over on Saturday night by 10, we hope. Maybe run a little bit later but by 10 on saturday night but then we also invite you to come to our church service next sunday to be part of our church um so there we go on that and barbara can you come up here we're a training and equipping church and i told her i told barbara her name's barbara connors so we'll help her on up here i told her i said i had a dream about her last night and she had a word to just the congregation and to those of you that are watching live stream. And so I'm going to be obedient. So she, she, I said, you only have like about two minutes. <laughs> but uh, she got the anointing from the Lord, so she knew she was supposed to do that. So I want her just to give you an encouraging word this morning. And we'll also start our, then I'll pray and we'll start our, actually I should pray first and then we'll do that. Let's stand, let's pray for our service this morning. You can raise your hands, bow your head if you'd like, or look up to the heavens, but let's just honor God right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can come boldly to this church. Boldly, we can come humbly, and Lord, we ask that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit present in this place in Jesus' name. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way. 
We want to be obedient to you in everything that we do, everything that is said. Anoint the service, anoint the praise and worship service, Lord. Anoint Barbara's uh, words as she has come to you and asked you what to say, that she would hear your words and that she would speak them and that we would receive them in the name of Jesus, those encouraging words. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that we can come boldly here to the throne of grace. And Lord, for those that are watching that are not feeling well, I ask in the name of Jesus that you heal them right now where they are. Heal them right now in Jesus' name. Send forth your ministering spirit just to minister to them. And Lord, if there's anybody that is suffering just with um, uh, just a hard, like not, excuse me, with just a heart that's just broken, we ask that you mend that broken heart right now in Jesus' name for whatever reason it may be. And Lord, I thank you for bringing those to be a part of our church service here today. And Lord, if there's any amongst us that are having a heavy heart, I ask in the name of Jesus that you release them from that heavy heart as they put their eyes and focus on you as we praise you and worship you here soon. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I get the bling mic. I'll let her have my bling mic. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, so the joy of the Lord is your strength. Okay. Now, many of you might be carrying burdens that you shouldn't be carrying that should be the Lord's and the devil's stealing your joy. Um, faith is what makes the Lord happy and that's how we get the joy of the Lord. So I would encourage you right now to call to remembrance all the things, all the great things, all the prayers answered. Encourage yourselves, edify yourselves with that to know the Lord loves you. The Lord has been answering your prayers. He hears your prayers. Um, the devil wants to steal your joy. That's the way to push you down. And the Lord wants to give you his joy. So recall those things. Recall all those things. Bring them to heart. Encourage yourself. Brag on the Lord. Say, Lord, I remember this answered prayer. And go back as far as you can and encourage yourself and walk in that faith. Give your burden to him. He will carry it. Be faithful in those prayers and give it to him. And trust him and have faith in that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Did you know that's my favorite verse? No. <laughs> Nehemiah 8.10. Joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Hallelujah. And I didn't know she was going to talk about the burden to the heart. And the Lord already had that prepared. So praise God. All right. Amen. You heard the word of the Lord. Someone help her down. Help her get it. I just, we just have these men. We're from Texas. And so I love Texas men. They're still gentlemen, right? You go to some other states and, like, they don't do anything. They don't open a door for you. So praise God. Thank you, Texas men. Hallelujah. Yes, I love you. All right, I guess now it's time to turn it over to you. Praise and worship, Brandon and Enie. Here we go. All right. Good morning, everyone. Let's stand. Oh, Lord, my God, in you I put my trust. Oh, Lord, my God, in you I put my hope. Oh, Lord, my God, in you I put my trust. Oh, Lord, my God, in you I put my hope. 
everything I say and do Bounded by my face and you Lift the pulling hands and sing Let the praises ring Hallelujah Come on this morning Here we go Oh Lord my God To you I give my hands Come on Oh Lord my God To you I give my feet Oh Lord my God To you I give my everything Oh Lord my God To you I give my life In you In you I find my
You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath. Pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. 
Let's sing one more song. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul, rejoice, take joy, my love you so much hallelujah and stand to you i saw um i saw number three and i didn't know i could ask the lord what does this mean and then i saw three books on the shelf and so the lord says that he's already been laying on your heart another book that you need to write but you've got three more that you must do very very quickly so he says get that pen to begin to write begin to type it out so that you'll know the the thoughts and the, the heart of the Lord that he's going to pour out to you as you begin to reveal things as you begin to see things in a greater way he's got three more that you must do and there's a he, I saw like within this next year there's gonna be three more books you're catching up to me hun you're catching up you're gonna pass me up I better get busy too right so um the, but the Lord, just, I just wanted to pray for you, just anoint you, because he's laying out in your heart already some things that you need to, to say to the people. And when it's written down, just as you said, as they write down Revelation, as you write it down and, and type it out, you know, we've got computers now, but when you write it down, there's going to be more revelation that's given to you because it's coming from the inside. In the inside, the Holy Spirit's going to just guide you and direct you and teach you and show you things that are going to be eye-openers to the people, the people of God. So I just encourage you with the anointing of the Lord to go and begin to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I receive that. Amen. All right, give the Lord praise in here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I've got one I'm writing now, right now anyway, well, so we might as well just do it together. I the Lord together. would bring a prophetic word through you and that he would speak through you this morning. <laughs> I, little did I know that it would be to me. I know, right? It doesn't always happen that way. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I need my remote, and I don't know which um, is. I thought I put the remote over there. Somebody can. Someone is finding my remote, right? Somebody's finding the remote. Speaker. You don't hear remote. Remote, come. A, a woman touched it dogs. last, so that's pretty dangerous, right? The woman had the remote last, but there I thought. Go. It must have just vibrated off from Thank all you. that awesome singing. There you go. Thank you. I passed the baton. 
Dear Lord, I thank you. Thank you for the anointing that's already on this man. But Lord, I ask for a greater amount of your anointing to come upon him. Lord, he's asked to just speak your words this morning, not his own, as he always does. Lord, I pray that you give him recallability, that you also give him more revelation. You also bring him just experiences from the past that he can share with us to show us the truth of your word, and that it will also bring a remembrance to us. And Lord, help us to walk out those doors remembering the word of the Lord and not forgetting. And Lord, I ask for his anointing right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb because He was slain, has redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the four beasts. The number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, glory and blessing. And every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard us saying, Blessing, honor, glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And the four beasts said, Amen. And this morning we say, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him and lived forever and ever. Lord, I ask, we ask for your anointing to touch us. Even people watching online or even people that watch this recorded later. Touch them. Touch them with your anointing. Touch them with your spirit. And let them know that you are with them. You'll never forsake them. You will guide them, direct them. And that they all will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this morning we're going to talk about the redeemed of the Lord. Keyword: redeemed. Worthy is the Lamb because he was slain and redeemed us. Redeemed us. Redeemed us. So, what's it talking about? I did some research. The word redeem means to be... The next to the kin to buy back a relative's property. In other words, someone had some property they had to sell. And you went and you gave the money to buy back that property. That's redeemed. Buy back a relative's property. Marry his widow in those days. Now, of course, we think in terms of sexual terms, but it does include that. But it's not what it's about. It's saying that this woman, rather than her and her children have to basically starve to death, I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to bring them into their home. I'm going to redeem them from the wilderness. Redeem. Definition is to buy back or repurchase. Redeem. Definition to buy back or pay off. Clear by payment. To redeem a mortgage. In other words, someone has bought a home, bought a car, but you went and you paid off the mortgage. You paid off the car. You redeemed it for them. To purchase back. To ransom. Oh, here, let's go to the yellow. To make something, I like this one. To make something or someone seem less bad. That's what Jesus did for me. That's what Jesus did for all of us. 
He made us seem less bad. You know, I'm so glad that I'm going to get covered with the garment so that people can't see my sins. How embarrassing. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. I don't want people to see all of the filthy things I've done in the past, and I'm so glad that the blood of Jesus is there to wash them away. Amen? Amen? To make something or someone seem less bad, to get something back, to exchange a piece, to purchase back, to ransom, to liberate, or to rescue from captivity and bondage. See, that's what we took the communication, the communion for this morning. That's what Jesus did for he, us. He bought us back. He bought us back because we were headed into hell, into to hell fire, fire that burned with, with, with fire and brimstone. We were headed there. And when we were born, we were headed there. But Jesus redeemed us. Before Jesus, the heart of man was continually evil, but they couldn't get out of it. After Jesus, the heart of man is continually evil, but, but we can walk away. We have the freedom of choice. Can you imagine? Before Jesus, before the, the cross was there, not being able to get the devil out of your heart, not being able to get him out of your mind, continually evil, and we wonder why God had to bring Noah and the flood to kill them all. The whole world was corrupted. But Jesus, to purchase back, to ransom, to liberate, to rescue from captivity or bondage, or from any obligation or liability to suffer, or to be forfeited by paying an equivalent. He paid a price. And as I'm continually in my prayer closet telling him, you paid too much. You paid too much for me. I'm yours for all eternity. I will do whatever. I will say whatever. I will go wherever because you paid too much. You bought me. That's what Jesus did for us. Paid an equivalent as to redeem prisoners or captured goods, to redeem a pledge. The metaphor of redemption includes the ideas of losing from a bond, setting free from a captivity or slavery, buying back something lost or sold, exchanging something in one's possession for something possessed by another and ransoming. He ransomed our soul. He gave his life. For us. And I continually walk around. I'm sorry. I might need several of these today. Around. And I say, I do not deserve, nor have I earned what you have done for me. You paid me too much. You blessed me too much. But what he did on the cross was bigger and better than anything else. To purchase back of something that had been lost by the payment of ransom. The action of saving or being saved from sin or error or evil. The action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment. We had lost 
our soul. We had lost our chance for eternity. But Jesus, it reminds me of the story. There was a very, very hard schoolmaster that absolutely did not tolerate anyone breaking the rules. And one of the rules was, if you steal, you will be punished. And he would bring the, 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 the kids that would, that would, for their punishment, he would bring them to the front of the room, and he had a big board that he would hit them with. He said it was so hard that it didn't take but just one showing, and no one else wants to do that. So everybody feared the old schoolmaster. But one day, somebody came in and said, someone stole my lunch. So the schoolmaster got up there and said, who did it? Someone raise your hand. Who did it? We are not going to move forward until someone confesses. Someone stole this boy's lunch. Who stole the lunch? And there was a very frail, kind of a skinny, not too many muscles, very shy young man. Finally, he raised his hand and he was shaking. He was shaking so bad that he didn't even have to raise his hand because he was, he was basically admitting to everyone I was the one that stole it. But he raised his hand. It was all he could do to raise his hand, shaking profusely. And he said, I did. And so the schoolmaster didn't want to have to whip this little boy because he's afraid he'd just break him in two. Just nothing there to start with. But at the same time, the schoolmaster knew a rule is a rule. And a rule's got to apply with everybody. That is, unless you're a Democrat. Unless you live in 2021, right? <laughs> Democrats get by with anything. So the schoolmaster called the young man forward. Told him to bend over. About that time, the biggest guy in the room raised his hand. Big tears running down his cheeks. And he says, I'll take the whippet. I'll take it for him. The schoolmaster pointed the board at him and he said, you'll take it. He said, I'll take it. So the skinny, frail young man walked back to his seat, and the big, muscular guy stood up and bent over. See, that's what Jesus did. He took it. No one took his life. He laid it down. He laid it down, and he took it back. No one nailed him to the cross. He allowed it to be done because he loved us that much. There's no other God... There's no other person that would do that for us. No other. Revelation 5.1. This is my favorite chapter in the Bible. Leslie talked about her favorite verse this morning. This is my favorite chapter in the Bible. I saw in the right hand of him that sat upon the throne a book written within on the backside and sealed with seven seals. And that book is the book of judgment. When that first seal is opened, that starts the last seven years. No one was able to open that book, neither to look thereon. Why? Because no one else was sinless. No one else was God coming down out of eternity into the body of a little young man, growing up, living a perfect life, and allowing himself to be nailed to the cross. 
I saw in the right hand with him, him that sat upon the throne a book written within and the backside and sealed with seven seals. I saw a strong angel. He's challenging people. A strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? No man in heaven, nor on the earth, nor under the earth. So are there aliens? Yes. You're, you're right, okay. They're not sons of God. They're something else. By the way, God's angels don't need metal devices to fly through space and time. They can show up. We could have angels in the room right now and don't even know it. So I'm not going to be impressed with some UFO or some, what, what do they call them? Benevolent extraterrestrial galactics. We can put a lot of names on them. But they're not the sons of God, or they're not the angels of God. And I'm, I'm not going to be impressed with them. Anyway, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open a book and loose the seals thereof? No man in heaven or in the earth, neither under the earth, was able to book the book, not even to look at it, because they had sin. When someone has an innocent heart, they can look straight into your eyes. But when they're not clean, have you noticed they can't look you straight? You've heard people say, well, look me in the eyes. And they can't. Very difficult. Because it's almost like you can see in their souls. We can, we can discern when someone is lying to us and when they're not. You want to grab that mute button again? Got to wipe it off my mustache. Sorry. My, my daughter said, why do you always do that? Well, until you have a mustache, you can't appreciate it. <laughs> neither look thereon, and I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and read the book. Neither look thereon because only Jesus is without sin. He's the only one that can. One of the elders said to me, weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Why? Because he was sinless. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts and the elders stood a lamb that had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth to all the, to all the earth. And he came and took the book. Out of the right hand with him that sat upon the throne, and who's sitting on the throne? The Father. Again, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They, how many thrones are there in the new Jerusalem? Here's the answer. Just one. Not two thrones. There's one throne. Because Jesus sits there and he is the Father. Okay? The Bible also says there's seven lamps of fire burning for the throne of God, which are the seven spirits of God, and I believe that's the Holy Ghost. Came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. When he'd taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying... Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals, for Thou wast slain, as redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. That's everybody, kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And has made us under our God kings and priests. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer in captivity. We're no longer in bondage to sin. Before, apparently, you know, 
we, for the last 2,000 years, we can't understand. Can you imagine waking up every morning and you don't have control of your will? You're under the will of the devil. But what happened is when Jesus came into the world, when we asked him into our heart, all of a sudden now we have a choice. We don't have to smoke that weed. We don't have to look at that picture. Like the hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, remember? We don't have to do that anymore. We can live a clean life. How many believe we can live a clean life? How many want to live a clean life? How many are living a clean life? For thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation that's made us unto our, God, unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. In other words, when, he, when that blood came down and landed on the, on the Ark of the Covenant, even though you and I weren't even born yet, we were already set free. Our name is already in the book of life from the foundation of the world, the Lamb's book of life. We're already free. We have a choice. We don't have to drink that alcohol. We don't have to run around. We don't have to see that porn. We don't have to. It is our choice. We choose. I've heard the testimony of probably 28 different people that have gone to hell. And almost every one of the... Excuse me. Excuse me. Let me rephrase. Let's say it differently. 28 different people that have died and seen the other side. About three of them went to hell. In all three cases, the number one thing they heard when they were down there was the screams, yes, all the torment, all of that, all of that. But what he heard every one of the people saying, go back and tell my friends, tell my family, don't come here. Why would they say that? Because it's our Correct. It's our choice. We choose to go to hell or we choose to enter through the door and there is one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life and no man cometh to the Father about me. There is one mediator between God and man and that is the man, Christ Jesus. No man comes to the Father but by me. No one gets eternal life but through him. Many verses say it. He is the way. It is our choice, and I choose, and I believe you choose, Amen. to enter in through the door to go into eternity. He's going to make us kings and priests. Now, what does that mean? See, there's going to be a lot of people living on the earth. A lot of people. <laughs> Sad to say, a lot of them will not even be saved. They will not get eternal life. Oh, let's see. How's it worded? And after a thousand years, the Satan should be loosed out of his prison. He goes out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they wait upon the breath of the earth and compass the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. And fire from God out of heaven came down to devour them. Meaning, at Jesus' return, I'm not going to prophecy. I'm not going to discuss all that. At his return, there are some people that did not take the mark, but they didn't receive Jesus either. They're allowed to live for another thousand years, and they're informed of that, and they're told, if you break a law for the next 1,000 years, one of those morning star judges, and that might be some of us, 
will show up and hit you with the morning star. That's the breath of the mouth. That's a light sword. They fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul. So when it says we're going to be kings and priests, I believe the kings will be those people that are using the morning star that go out on the face of the earth and destroy anyone breaking any of his laws. You break one law, you are literally ashes at the speed of thought. The priest, however, and he that overcometh, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. In other words, we'll never leave the new Jerusalem. He'll go no more out. Write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I'll write upon him my new name. I want to be there. But I probably won't be a priest. My guess, I'll probably be a, a king. But here's the thing. We all get to be kings and priests. And we reign on the earth. In other words, we see to it that those nations don't sin. He's made us the leaders in eternity. That's good news. And it's all free. I've held and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne of the beasts and the elders and number of them 10,000 times, 10,000, 1,000, 1,000. Satan, you guys have heard this, right? Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, glory and blessing. And every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard us saying, Blessing, honor, glory and power be in him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And we say, Amen. We agree to that. Where is this? The Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Leslie and I were there. Jesus was there. The hosts say that if it was not literally the same trees, because olive trees lived for thousands of years, they believe it's probably the same trees. Jesus prayed. There is no question. When you go to Israel, they should take you around to what they call traditional sites and say, oh yeah, Jesus was born here. They built a Catholic church over here. How do you know he's born there? I don't know. What's, it's a traditional site. In other words, they just put up something to gather people to collect their money. But then there's a genuine site. This is a genuine site. Jesus literally prayed on about or around in this area. They say that if it's not the very olive trees, at least it is the descendants of those olive trees. That is a number one. He has absolutely positively been there. And that's where he was praying. Father... If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Only a few hours after this, in that same place, the guards from the high priest would arrest him. And he was about to go lay down his life. That happened 2,000 years ago. That is the greatest moment in human history. And it started right there. That's really what it looks like. Those are olive trees. That's what they really look like. That's the genuine. Matthew 26, 51, Behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew out his sword, and struck a servant of the high priest, and smote off his ear. So he cut off his ear. You got this picture? So the servants of the high priest come to arrest Jesus. One of the disciples cuts off one of the, the guards' ears. Now, if they didn't already know he's the Christ, this ought to get their attention. So Jesus bends down and picks up the ear, puts it back on. Everything's fine. 
and says, no, put up your sword. He that killeth with a sword, he that lives by the sword must die by the sword, which is Revelation 13, 10 too. Thinkest thou not, now this is a very important, thinkest thou not that I cannot pray to my Father and he will presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? He's saying, they're not taking me. They're not in control. They're not making me do this. Father and I just had an agreement just a few minutes. You see those olive trees? Remember I asked you guys to pray with me just one hour, you fell asleep. Remember? Right over there, me and the Father made an agreement. We made an agreement that I'm going to give my life. I give my life. No one takes it. I lay it down, I take it up. Jesus has the keys of hell and death. I kill, I make alive. I wound, I heal, and neither can any deliver out of my hand. Jesus gave us eternal life. He opened the door to eternity for us. Don't you know that I could call 12 legions of angels? They're not making me do this. Father and I just had an agreement. I've agreed to this. What? But you see, you and I agreed to something. We agreed to accept his blood. But here's something else. We also agreed what? To follow his teachings. That doesn't mean that we live like the devil six days a week and then come in all pious on Sunday. We walk like him and talk like him. We look like him. We act like him. He is our mentor. He is the breath in our lungs. He is the reason we wake up and the reason we go to sleep. He is the reason we don't have to die. He is our everything. He's the center of our focus. He's our everything. Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man take it from me, but I lay it down myself. It's my choice. It's my choice. When he's over there by the olive trees, look at, don't you think I could have told the father, said, no, I got to thinking about this. I don't think I want to do this. Because I already seen, you know, they're going to nail me to the cross. They're going to beat me up. They're going to pull my beard out, spit in my face. Find somebody else. But there, no was, there was no one else. There was no one else. I had the power to lay it down. I had the power to take it again. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answereth thou nothing? What is it? Which of these weirds accuse against thee? So the high priest slapped him. Said, I adjure you. In other words, the way we would say is, I command you. Tell me the truth. Are you the Christ? And he said, You said I am. Now, you see, when the Lord talks to you, when the Lord talks to you, I said, when the Lord talks to you, nobody has to tell you who's talking. If you've ever had that happen, you know that's him. And as Jesus said that, trust me, that person... Okay. He remembered. High priest with his clothes. Now, let me jump into the modern day time. Are we ready? Are we ready to go through the trouble like Jesus? Jesus died for us. We should be ready to die for him. 
June 27, 2020, Dana Coverstone had a dream. I saw men and women of God who were pastors, blacks, whites, Asians, is, you know, all around the world. I saw myself, we were all preaching the gospel, sweating with fervency and impacting on a preacher. We were preaching biblical principles and, teach, and dealing with major issues in culture, calling people to righteousness and holiness and giving up godly things. That's what we're supposed to do. When we walk with Jesus, we're supposed to walk with Jesus. Seven days a week. 24 hours a day. I saw people in chairs in the back of the church looking at their watches. Anybody looked at your watches today? Some of them yawning. Some of them had their heads back in the chairs and pews to sleep. Others just uncomfortable. They didn't want to be there. Some people were walking out. I saw a handful, a core of a group of people, at the front of the church. Everybody's going to start moving up now. You watch next week. We're going to have more people sat at the front of the room. See, core group at the front of the church, emphatically listening, supporting their pastor, supporting the doctrine, teaching ideas. Amen. Hey, we amen here, right? Amen. The doctrine, teaching ideas are coming from those men and women of God. Suddenly, the scene changed. I saw courtrooms, judges with gavels pounding on the bench. I saw pastors in chains. I was shackled myself. I saw people in the jury seats, the witness stand. They were crying. And the judges were saying, you can no longer preach this kind of message. You can no longer declare this type of lifestyle as sin. You cannot say anything bad about this kind of lifestyle. You cannot say anything bad about this situation. You cannot address this, these things from the pulpit ever again. You cannot say, Jesus is the only way to heaven. In America. Now, i got a question for you. Is this just a fairy tale, or could this come to America? I saw when he opened the fifth seal, and I saw under the altar the souls of those that were slain for the word of God and for the witness which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell in heaven? Why robes given to every one of them said that they should rest yet for a little season, till their fellow servants and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. I believe that's talking about America. In her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and all that was slain upon the earth. Revelation 18, that's America too. You cannot say Jesus is the only way. You cannot say abortion is sin. You cannot deal with alternative lives. You can call... You can call them awful and terrible things. You cannot say these things and violate. You cannot say these things violate scripture. You can no longer preach from scripture. And so that's when Stan's going to change his preaching, right? What do you think? What about you? Are you going to bend? Are you going to buckle? Or do you not understand that it's a test? Because if they're there testing you, it's because Jesus sent them and allowed it. So he's about to bless you. You know, the 12 disciples say, one, we're all killed in pretty vicious ways. Why? Because he wanted to bless them. John the Baptist, we know what happened to him. He blessed him. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's hard to believe. What I'm saying is Jesus gave his life for us. We need to be prepared to give our life for him. I saw churches surrounded by mobs of people yelling, shut it down, burn it down. You know they're saying those words right now? Yeah. Right now, it's on your TV. Yeah, 
That's right, and they're doing it. They're burning churches. Shut it down. Burn it down. I saw people so hateful toward the church. I saw people harassing believers. They were going into the church services, coming out of the church services. I saw people with hateful attitudes waiting outside the churches to harass people going in and coming out of the church. Oh, it'll never happen in Texas. Well, even if it doesn't, we're still ready for it. But the thing that stood out the most were the people who had been sitting in the church pews. And by the way, you don't have to close your eyes to be asleep. They're not listening. Not listening to the biggest persecutors in the church. In other words, the biggest persecution will come from the terrors who sat in our churches and pews who never really accepted the Word of God or the Word of God. Now, let me explain. When I wrote the book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, I talked about tares, I talked about grapes, but I neglected to put in the difference, the explanation of the difference between the tares and the grapes. So, let me explain. When it comes time for the harvest, I grew up, I didn't grow up, I lived in Kansas for 22 years. And up there, wheat is the number one thing they grow in Kansas. So these days they have modern insecticides that doesn't work this way. But in ancient times, here's the way it worked. When it was time for the harvest, the farmer would go and stand in front of his big field of wheat. Now when the tares, when they grow up, they stand up straight. They have little small seeds, but each one of those seeds is extremely bitter. If you could just get one of those little tare seeds into your wheat flour, your bread is... No good. It's milk. Can't eat it. Can't stand it. Even one little seed ruins it. So even more so than the farmer is content with getting all of the wheat, his first goal is to remove all of the tares. So he goes through carefully walking through the wheat, and he looks, and among the wheat, there's a tear. He can see that because it stands up high. But the wheat, they have fruit, and so they're hanging over. So when he sees the tear stand up, he goes over there, he pulls the tear. He pulls the tear. Meaning, tares are among the wheat. The tares this morning are in the church pews. They're not in their homes. Okay, now what's the difference? So the tares are among the wheat. The interesting thing about a tear is you can't tell. I mean, as it's growing up, you look, you can't tell the difference between the tear and the wheat. They look alike until the harvest. You can't tell. They look just like the wheat until the harvest. It's not until the harvest and he can see the tear, he goes and pulls them out. Now let's talk about the grapes. Do grapes grow in a wheat field? No. Does wheat grow in a vineyard? No. Okay, so you have a vineyard that is all grapes and you have a wheat field that is all wheat with some tares. So the tares represent the people that sit with the Christians, but they're not Christians. Whereas the grapes represent people like, for example, nations like we went to Malaysia. Very few Christians there. Again, it's mostly Muslims. So that's probably what God would call a grape nation. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. 
understand that what we're hearing this morning is the power of God. Now, we prophecy students, we like prophecy. But what I am admonished to remind you this morning is that prophecy is a sideline. The focus is the cross. Right? Right? Say that with me. The focus is the cross. Prophecy is, I think, it's a great tool to sweep millions, maybe billions, into the kingdom of God, and we want to do that. But we have to remember, our first focus is the cross, Jesus. So preaching the cross is, to some people, foolishness. But unto us that are saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. In other words, some people just can't get it. Have you ever tried to talk to a Jew about Jesus? It's like talking to a telephone pole. They just can't hear it. It's not that they're being obstinate. They, it's like speaking Chinese. Really, they just, they, they can't understand. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? Hath, God not, hath, hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Because the world doesn't understand the cross. They don't understand the blood of Jesus. What do you mean? I mean, okay, so Jesus got nailed to the cross. So that's not exciting to them. But to us, right? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, God knew not God. Right, let me back up. By the wisdom, knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Right? <clears throat> and the Jews a stumbling block and the Greeks foolishness. But unto them that are called, that's us, that's us, both Jews and Greeks, the Christ, the Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, <coughs> excuse me, and the weakness of God is stronger than men, for you see your calling. You see your calling. Amen. You see your calling. We know. We know we're called. Brethren, how many, not many wise men after the flesh, say with me here, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. You ever wonder, hey, where's them rich folks? Where's the rich folks? I can't tell you how many times I've prayed to the Lord. I said, hey, where's them million dollar donations? Because this is foolishness to them. And to us, making lots of money, even if we got lots of money, we'd just spend on the kingdom of God anyway. Money's not our heart. Bible says that the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God, we see our calling. Not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble are called for God has chosen the foolish things. The foolish things of the world to confound the wise of God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. It says dumb, ugly people. We get it. We were walking in the sevenfold meeting, sevenfold miracle crusade, and a young black man walked up, shook his shook his 
put his hand in it. I, I want to meet you, sir. I mean, I'm so nervous to meet you. I just want to say that I just love your ministry. And I said, whoa. I said, nothing strong. There's nothing special here. I said, don't, don't be impressed with Stan. Be impressed with my God. He said, I'm just a globe. He said, I can't do anything except he does it through me. I said, so worship God. Remember John, when he got the book of Revelation, he fell down at the feet of the angel that showed me these things and said, See, thou do it not. Worship God, for I am thy fellow servant of the, thy brethren, the prophets, and of them that keep the words of this God. Worship God. He wouldn't let him worship him. And sometimes when we realize our weakness, like Paul, he says, no, I'm not going to remove the thorn in the flesh because your weakness, how's he worded it? My, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So sometimes we want to bang our chests and say, look what I did. Man, you know, when Jesus returns, we look back on all eternity. We're going to cast our crowns at his feet. We're going to fall at his feet and say, no, no, no. Now that I see, I cast my crowns. I give it right back. Thou, for thou art worthy because thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. You did it all. You did it all. <clears throat> Sin cannot be part of our lives. Now we're back to the, the dream coverstone. The louder and more intensely I preached and dealt with issues of sin, the more the wolves sent into our church began to serve. The people who are not listening began saying, Shut up. Stop saying that. I don't want to hear that anymore. They were aggressively saying, Stop saying those things. Stop. I kept preaching and preaching. The wolves were wrestling and nudging the people and getting them worked up. They stirred up the people and the wolves started coming after me. They were raised to church all of their lives, but they'll walk away because they do not like preaching of the true word of God. The preaching which says that this is sin, sin is wrong, you cannot walk in this and still be a believer. It was the sons and daughters of grandchildren of Christians. They had been raised in the church all of their lives, but became persecutors, saying, we've had it. There is nothing in this for me. The gospel has no power. Well, maybe your gospel doesn't. Gospel has no power. It has no authority. It says, I cannot have this. I can't do what I want. I can't sin. I can't smoke. I can't drink. I can't. I can't. I can't. I don't like your gospel. I like my gospel. I like walking away from that. I like the fact that I'm 67 years old and I don't have demons coming to me in the night. And I have a nice peaceful rest. That is, unless I had too much salt during the day and I wake up with a dry mouth, I've got to go get water. 67 years old, you can sleep peacefully. Amen. Bill, that's a good thing, right? Yes. You know how many people can do that? I don't have to take propofol so I can sleep. Did you catch? There was a guy that took propofol too, too much of it just because he wanted to sleep. I cannot have this. I cannot do this. I can't do that. I, can't, I don't want to do I don't like that God. I want to do what I want to do. Well, then you want to be a Satanist. Because <coughs> the motto of Satanists is do as thou wilt. But this is the whole of the law. Matthew 26. And again, he denied the oath. I do not know the man. This is, this is Peter. Live with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Ate with Jesus. And denied him. 
That's the reason we have to set our heart now. We're not going to deny. So he began to curse and swear, saying, I know not the man. Immediately the cock crew, and he was reminded of the prophecy the day before. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in his house and his servant David. And as he spake, the mouth of his holy prophets has been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies. Okay, so if you look at that, because we're redeemed, God raised up the horn of salvation, this Jesus, so that we could be saved from our enemies. And that's not talking about just our physical enemies of other nations. We're talking about our real enemy, our spiritual enemy, the devil. To perform mercy, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. <clears throat> because Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He set us free. Amen. Redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. The blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. When we accepted Jesus, all of those blessings that were given to Abraham also fell upon us. And I, it rubs me so raw when I hear people say, well, we're the greatest nation on earth. And we're so great because of our American dream and our American values. Well, why don't you say the reason we're great is because we have Jesus as our God. And if you want to be a Christian, you're welcome to come in. I, if they were to make me king, I would say, I don't care. Open the border. Let all the Christians come in. See, because I look forward to a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Amen. To redeem them that were under the law, that might be the adoption of sons. And I think I've made my point. Okay, I think we've... No, I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip that. I'll skip, skip, skip. Okay, here, let's get to the end. See that left, top left corner? We're asking people to become a member of our church. And it's not to build our church, but to asking our people to place their heart with the Spirit of Prophecy Church because they believe the Spirit of Prophecy Church is pointing people to Jesus. So when you're placing your membership with Spirit of Prophecy Church, you're saying, look, I believe in the King James Bible. I believe there's only one way to heaven. And I want to say so, so before God. So you click there, go fill out the form. You're saying to God, I'm with them. And I believe that also means that you share in our blessings too. Just like we share in the blessings of Abraham through Jesus, you can share in those blessings through Spirit of Prophecy Church too. Lord, thank you for your anointing. Thank you that you've filled every one of our spirits this morning with your anointing coming in the room. And that we felt your love and your warmth as we've been here this morning. We feel filled with your spirit, Lord. Filled to go out and motivated to talk to other people about Jesus. Bring them in, Lord. Ask you to be with us. Bless us, be a lamp unto our feet, light unto our path, and show us the direction that we should go, and give us souls, Lord. And Lord, bless this Spirit of Prophecy Church. Lord, make this a large church. And I'm not talking about just the building, I'm talking about the people. Bring in the right people. Pe people such as should be added to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. And then show us the right building to get. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you have prayer requests, you can come on up. Oh, I guess there's a few. Oh, hey, I know what. 
We didn't pray that prayer. The whole time we've been talking about accepting Jesus. Okay, so let's do it this way today. Let's do it this way. Everybody on live stream, everybody watching it, let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, died on the cross, arose three days later, sits at the right hand of the Father. I receive his blood to wash my sins away, to write my name in the book of life, to keep me holy, to save me in the day of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. It's 15 points. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, send your, send you, I'll get it, send an email to me and saying, yes, I just accepted Jesus. All right, now, I'm going to skip back to what I wanted to say here. I got that a little out of order. Also, you can help the gospel by going out and help this message reach more people by clicking like, share, and subscribing. Click the little bell, and it'll let you know when we post new things. And down at the bottom, if you'd like to donate, and you're online, you just scroll down at the bottom. It says donate. You click there, and God will bless you. Thank you for watching. If you're not signed up, get signed up for the School of the Watchman. That's coming Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. right here in this room. I'm going to teach through the book of Revelation. It's not required, but my request is that you write out the book of Revelation in a spiral ring notebook and bring that. Our estimate is it'll take you about six to eight hours to write it out, but believe me, it is the shortcut. It is the shortcut to knowing the book of Revelation. See you Friday night. See you Friday night. Friday afternoon, actually. Friday afternoon. Okay, God bless.